Hi guys, Brimstone here. Tonight we're going to take a look at another viewer's submission. This one I'm keeping the author anonymous as per their requests, but we both hope you enjoy this. Preface. A bit of history for you. My childhood was rough. I was the oldest of many siblings and encountered quite a bit of abuse as a child. Physical, mental and sexual which is why I'd like to remain anonymous. Throughout my childhood, my siblings and I have lived with almost all members of my family. Whoever had the ability and means to care for us would do so. This was to keep us out of the foster system. Anyways, I was around 10 or 11 years old at the time, and once again, we were taken from my mum's custody and went to stay with relatives. It was summer, and we chose to spend it with my uncle, my aunt, and my cousins. It was exciting, and felt like a very long sleepover. I have two sisters that came with me. One sister was about eight, and the other around two or three. My aunt and uncle had a large household with a small house. Three rooms, and a total of seven to ten children, depending on the time frame. All the girls in one room, and the boys in the other. And my baby sister, who was around two or three, stayed in my aunt and uncle's room in a crib. For this, we'll call my baby sister Sarah. Sarah had toys in her crib, a few stuffed animals and a few electronic toys. Since the household was so large, we spent the majority of time outside. My uncle wasn't wealthy, we never had much really, but he did the best for us, giving us as much as he could. The backyard had an above ground pool and a trampoline. Not the best or the biggest, but it was enough for us kids. We had many times experienced some unexplainable occurrences in this house and were openly told about the previous owner, an old woman who had died peacefully in the home, being curious. My cousins and I tried several times to make contact with the old woman, but it didn't succeed. The odd part about all of this was that the actions to come actually fit the description of a child, not an old lady. You'll see why in a moment. A few weeks after we moved in, something strange started happening. My sister began to talk to a little girl. I was young and I forgot what she called her, but she told us the name and what she looked like, as much as a toddler could describe, that is. We didn't think much of it. Having an imaginary friend isn't rare for children, especially those that have undergone several drastic changes in their lives, so we all assumed she'd made an imaginary friend. But then Sarah started saying strange things. She said that the girl didn't like the toys in her crib, for some reason, the toys made her mad. At first, we assumed that Sarah didn't like the toys being placed in the crib with her. But it wasn't where the toys were placed that this girl didn't like. She told Sarah that she just despised the toys themselves. Now, we got into trouble quite a bit. If you put that many kids together, they will come up with things to do that are against the rules. My other sister, being the typical middle child, acted out quite a bit. I now have two children of my own so I give props to my aunt and uncle for putting up with all of our crap back then. My aunt and uncle woke early, since my uncle was a labourer and did physically demanding jobs. We lived in Texas, which gets incredibly hot and humid in the summer, averaging about 105 degrees Fahrenheit, 46 Celsius, with 80% humidity. He worked early to beat the heat. One morning, around 4am, we were woken for a family meeting, which meant someone was in trouble. We all headed into the living room, where my aunt and uncle began the investigation. 
As I said before, we got in trouble a lot. Their form of punishment reminds me of my ROTC days. We all had to sit there, none of us were allowed to talk, and we couldn't get up and play until somebody came forward. In ROTC, when a cadet did something wrong, or spoke out against the officers, the entire platoon would be punished. Usually, somebody always came forward after a while. Punishment was then given to the person who broke the rules. This could be timeout or spanking, depending on how they felt that day. My uncle calmly sat down and asked, Which one of you put Sarah's toys on the front porch? No answer. We all began looking around at each other, attempting to get a guilty look from the person responsible. I noticed that we all shared the same confused and sleepy look. Noticing the expressions, my uncle said, The toys in Sarah's crib are all sitting on the front porch. They were in a crib when we went to sleep. Somebody went into our room when we were sleeping and took the toys and placed them outside. I want to know who did it. Still no answer. The longer I have to wait for an answer, the more pissed off I'm going to be. I'm already running late for work and I don't have all day to wait. Once more, not a sound out of any of us. My uncle took my aunt to the kitchen and he told her that we were to sit there until somebody came forward. He had to go to work. He gave her a kiss and angrily he slammed the door and left. My aunt asked my sister if she moved the toys and she said no. She asked if she saw any of us enter her room last night which was off limits when they were asleep. She said no. After a moment of silence that felt like hours, Sarah said, The little girl put them outside because she didn't like them. She wants you to get her a baby doll. Now, Sarah was around two or three at the time, so I'm adding appropriate dialogue to make up for her lack of vocabulary. Suddenly, the suspicion fell on Sarah, and exhausted, my aunt let us go back to sleep. It was around 5am and my aunt wasn't ready to ruin her day. We went to our rooms and climbed into our bunk beds, attempting to get back to sleep. My cousin looked over to my sister and asked her if she took the toys, knowing that she was a troublemaker. My sister said no. We all started talking and questioning each other like we were investigating a murder. We knew that if somebody didn't admit to it when we woke up, that we would all be in trouble and none of us would be allowed to play. After questioning the other suspects, we all just assumed that it had to be one of the boys, so we went back to sleep. When I woke up, I went to ask the boys which one of them did it. They assured me it wasn't them, and that it must have been one of us. They apparently spent the entire night playing a video game together. With this new alibi, I knew it either had to be both of them working together, or they were telling the truth, and it was one of us. Eventually, we were all awake. Then. Out of nowhere, I became the new prime suspect. I felt like we were in a game of Clue, bouncing from person to person with intense questioning. Since I was the first to wake and ask the boys if they played a part in it, I gained the new suspicion of trying to use reverse psychology on everyone. My cousin said that I was trying too hard to sound innocent, making everyone assume that I couldn't possibly do it if I was trying on my own to solve the case. She gave me too much credit. Most kids don't think it through like that. Why weren't we this sophisticated and intelligent in school? My aunt felt bad that we were all punished for one person's actions, so she let us off the hook after we sat silently for an hour, 
She said somebody better come clean before my uncle came home or we were going to be in a ton of trouble. We went about playing, forgetting about the ordeal. As children, our ability to focus is low and our concentration, questionable. My uncle came home from work and the punishment reminded us all that we were still in trouble. My aunt told him what Sarah had said about the little girl. Since nobody admitted to it, he went ahead and assumed that Sarah's imaginary friend made her take them outside. Like clockwork, we were in bed once again. It was the weekend, so my uncle didn't have to work. He slept in until 8, and we were all fast asleep. Suddenly, he wakes us up and demands we go to the living room. It was like deja vu. The same questions, but now he had a pissed off tone. Not surprisingly, none of us admitted to it. We were forced to endure the punishment of an hour sitting in silence. We weren't allowed to talk or play with anything. My sister started stacking coasters in balance testing ways. My uncle yelled at her that the punishment wasn't to play only with items that weren't toys, but we weren't allowed to play or move with anything. That one hour felt like days. This was before cell phones, so we had no way of sneaking a phone for entertainment. Then. We were finally free and went about our day. That night, my aunt and uncle placed the toys on their dresser instead of Sarah's crib. The dresser was on the furthest side of the room, away from the door. They figured that having to walk all the way around their bed would wake them up, revealing the troublemaker. Again, he woke up to the missing toys that he once again found on the front porch. Sarah kept blaming her imaginary friend. She said that the little girl won't stop until the toys were thrown away and a doll was bought. Refusing to give in, and probably too curious to get rid of the toys for the little girl, my uncle placed them inside of his dresser, knowing that the opening of the drawer would surely wake him up. The following day had the same results as the days before it. We were all extremely frustrated. It was no longer about the incident. My uncle gained an obsession with finding out which one of us was messing with him so much. He finally reached the point of frustration. Not punishing us as a whole anymore, he was ready to start his new tactics. Back from work, my uncle walked in with a bag from Home Depot. In view of everyone, he replaced the front and back door deadlocks. This new deadlock had to be opened with a key from both sides. He put the keys around his neck on a lanyard, the house was pretty old and the neighbourhood not that safe, so the windows had bars on them, which is a common thing in the poorer neighbourhoods of Houston. Now we figured there was no possible way to get out the door without him. He was a light sleeper, usually heading to bed about 10pm. Because of this, their room was off limits when my uncle was sleeping, ensuring that we didn't wake him, making him tired at work. With the lanyard under his shirt, he assumed it was foolproof. My aunt usually went to bed around midnight. Being the summer, us kids stayed up pretty late sometimes. With no way to squeeze out the windows, and no ability to unlock the doors, we all figured that was the last of it. My uncle placed the toys back in the crib, thinking that this wouldn't happen again. There was no window by the porch, so tossing the toys out of the window and onto the porch wasn't possible. We woke to loud cursing, now feeling nervous. The toys had made their way back outside. All of a sudden, my aunt remembers the old lady who died in the house. Being superstitious, she told my uncle it had to be the old lady. 
She figured that Sarah didn't quite understand the difference between a little girl and an adult, confusing the old woman for a little girl. It made sense. They were both described as female. Maybe Sarah mixed up her words. My aunt talked my uncle into getting the house blast. She was Catholic and firmly believed in the supernatural and the ability to be possessed. They invited the preacher over to bless the house with holy water and attempt to rid the home of spirits. He did this for free as he accepted a small donation and a home-cooked meal. He blessed the house, inside and out, and rubbed holy water on the toys. He blessed the porch, rubbing holy water on the chairs, table and door. Convinced of his victory, he declared that the spirits had left and wouldn't return. The house was cleansed. That night, the toys returned to the porch. My uncle couldn't believe it. He was fed up with it. But he was also obsessively convinced that he would catch one of us. He took it to a whole new level. And now we were all starting to get a bit nervous. It's like he'd gone completely mad. The house had tile and hardwood floors. He grabbed the jar of flour and went to his room. The toys were put back on the dresser since it was the furthest thing from the bedroom door. He sifted the flour onto the floor around the dresser. When my aunt went to join him to go sleep, he poured the flour all around the bed and in front of the bedroom door. If anyone were to enter, they would leave prints in the flour. Assuming this trap was foolproof, he went to sleep. The girls and I started talking about ghosts and the old woman. I enjoy the paranormal. I find it fascinating. But my cousins, being raised Catholic, were afraid and paranoid and for good reason. The toys ended up back outside that night. But it was what was discovered that morning that frightened everyone. Small, bare footprints were found in the flower. They weren't like what you'd see in the movies. They were random and scattered. It was as if a person was dancing a stringed puppet around the room, touching the floor with a random foot in an awkward location. My uncle took my sister Sarah into the hallway where he then sifted more flour onto the floor. He placed Sarah onto the floor, measuring her footprint. It didn't match. Sarah's prints were much smaller than these. They appeared to be that of a six-year-old. After he measured all our footprints, concluding that they couldn't possibly have come from any of us, he finally started to grasp the idea that a ghost could be in the house. He wasn't superstitious, usually ignoring the possibility of it being something abnormal. But then, his fear began to show. Seeing that the prince were that of a child and not a grown old woman, he got curious. He knew that the house had an old lady die in it, but he never heard of any other deaths in the home. He wanted answers. This was a time before it was common to have a computer in most homes, so he went to the library, looking up the history of ownership for the house. It was built in the 1950s, and it had over 20 occupants call that place home. He took down the names from the local phone books, both old and new, and attempted to find out if any of the families had a little girl with the same name as Sarah's imaginary friend. It proved difficult, as technology wasn't advanced in those days. You can find almost anyone, dead or alive, somewhere on the internet, but back then it was a lengthy journey of research. He called the real estate company to meet with the agent who sold him the house. He asked her if she had all the information on previous owners, and if any of them had a little girl die. The agent explained to him that she can only reveal the deaths of anyone in the past five years, which pissed my uncle off. 
he was suspicious of the real estate company's secrets, figuring that her attitude meant that they knew more than they were leading on. But no luck. She must get paid well to keep her mouth shut. That night, he went ahead and threw out the toys, hoping it would end this show. Finally, after a night of peace, everything was left in its place. Sarah then demanded a baby doll, saying it was the only way her friend would be happy. He was reluctant at first, but her persistence overpowered him, and he brought home a doll. About a month went by, and I moved out to live with another aunt, leaving my cousins and sisters behind. She only lived 15 minutes away, but I longed for the moments to be alone. This aunt has no children, which means I didn't have to share, fight, and babysit. Although my sister Sarah continued her encounters with the little girl, they never had another physical occurrence in that house again. The curiosity got to my uncle, and he went to the courthouse to look up death records. Sure enough, a little eight-year-old girl had died in the early 70s from blood cancer. She passed away in hospital, but the house was her home at the time. My family no longer lives there, the house was too small, and with my cousins getting older, they needed more than one bathroom with a shower. I still wonder if the little girl is haunting that house. Has she moved on? Is she taking some other child's toys away? Does she visit all the new occupants, or just the children with toys? Someday, I hope to visit that house again, and see if anyone else shared our experience. I can still remember the address to where we lived in Houston. The street was Dogwood Tree, but for legal reasons, I won't announce the house number. Well guys, I really hope you enjoyed that story as much as I enjoyed reading it. I found it really interesting that this little girl, just all she wanted was a doll. She didn't want those fancy electronic toys. Nope, dolly. Which, that reminds me of my kid so, so much. He's a little princess and dolls are her thing completely. Again, if you enjoy the video, please feel free to like, share, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. You can also find me at the social medias at the bottom of the page. And if you have a personal story that you want to share with me, please, please send it in. I love reading through all of them, and I'm going to be compiling a load to go into a couple of the Halloween videos that I've got planned. So, until next time, sleep tight. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.